welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Good to have everyone today. Today we have, so far, Lori and Brian and Lou and Oscar and Scotty. Good to have you guys. Today we'll be talking about the 39th verse of the Tao Te Ching and how it relates to recovery. We're all either in recovery or we are in Al-Anon, which is a form of recovery too. We have different addictions, but we have found a common solution. And for me, that common solution is surrendering to what is when you get right down to it. Uh, If I can accept the moment as it is, whatever issue I have does not seem as difficult or as controlling. And then in that moment, in this moment, if I can turn my thoughts to how can I be helpful in this moment, everything else seems to take care of itself. And I think that's the essence of what we are all seeking for in any type of spiritual practice, God of our understanding, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, same motivation, same desire, if you will, is to be content in this moment. Yes. And so we talk about the Tao Te Ching. If you're new to the podcast, the Tao Te Ching is a book that was penned, they say by Lao Tzu, but Lao Tzu could have also been, it's a name of a teacher, so it could have been uh, by a group of individuals, all I think 300 or so BC in China. If in the West, if uh, as a lot of us were raised with a Bible in the house or know what the Bible is, or at least something to do with a Bible, it would be the Tao Te Ching if we were in China. Uh, it's the second most published book around the world. Just only the Bible's been published more than the Tao Te Ching. So that kind of puts it in relation. And what I find in the Tao Te Ching is just simplistic thought that leads me towards surrender. Things like the master does their work, then they let it go. And in letting it go, it makes it stay. If what we're learning about recovery is not our spirituality for that matter. We, and we talked about this last week and I thought it was really good. And I thought about it a good bit. That idea that if we said a three-year-old, but let's say a four-year-old, if a four-year-old can't comprehend my perception of spirituality, uh, it's too complicated. If a four-year-old cannot comprehend my idea of what compassion is, it's too complicated. And what I'm learning in recovery is that things get simple. They get more and more simple. It's not like we start talking on a higher level and it's like we're in a graduate program or something. It's not like that. It's the reverse, really. My son used to ask me about spirituality. I said, I gave up trying to figure all those things out. All I know is if I'm kind to you, my life is better. A four-year-old can understand that. Okay, any announcements or helps of any kind? BuddyC.org has a lot of things there. There's even a list of podcasts. If you go to the resources, I've got a list of podcasts there that some are recovery-related. Some are just spiritual podcasts, some Zen podcasts, too, that I enjoy. There'll be some good resources there for you, daily devotion and other things that you can sign up for that's free. Everything there is free. Let's see. 
start with 39 today, which I make the practice of not reading beforehand so that we can see what comes out of it fresh. Oscar, I'll get you to read the Jonathan Star for me, uh, if, uh, if you would, please, sir. Yes, of course. It's a long one. From ancient times till now, the one has been the source of all attainment. By realizing the one, heaven becomes clear, earth becomes still, spirits gain power, and hearts fill up with joy. By realizing the one, kings and lords become instruments of peace, and all creatures live joyfully upon this earth. Without the one, heaven has no clarity and would crack. Earth has no peace and would crumble. Spirits have no power and would lose their charm. Without the one, hearts would dry dry up, empires would fall, all things would go lifelessly upon this earth. Long ago, kings and lords called themselves orphans, lonely and unworthy. What honor can there be without humility? What heights can be reached without being low? The pieces of a chariot are useless unless they work in accordance with the whole. A man's life brings nothing unless he lives in accordance with the whole universe. Playing one's part in accordance with the universe is true humility. So whether you're a gem in the royal court or a stone on the common path, if you accept your part with humility, the glory of the universe will be yours. Thanks. Got that nasty word again in there, acceptance. (laughs) I hate that word. That should be a four-letter word, but it's not. It's a seven-letter word, two, four, six-letter word. Ah. All comes back to acceptance, doesn't it? I'm going to read the Stephen Mitchell. Does anyone have another translation they want to read? If not, we'll just we'll talk off the Stephen Mitchell because I know we all have it in front of us or can have it. In harmony with the Tao, the sky is clear and spacious. The earth is solid and full. All creatures flourish together, content with the way they are endlessly repeating themselves endlessly renewed when man interferes with the Tao, the sky becomes filthy the earth becomes depleted the equilibrium crumbles creatures become extinct the master views the parts with compassion because he understands the whole his constant practice is humility he doesn't glitter like a jewel but lets himself be shaped by the Tao, as rugged and common as stone. Any thoughts, guys? The first stanza there. When we're in harmony with the Tao, you can think of the Tao as love. That's how I think of it. So when my life is in harmony, and we know when that is and when it's not, (laughs) when we're being led by our fears or being led by compassion, content Back to that acceptance again. Content with the way they are. Content with the way things are. If I get to that point of acceptance of what is, that's where my peace is at. It's not by orchestrating everything a particular way to try to make me happy. The flip's true as well. If things are not going well, and sometimes things don't go well. I don't have to be sad. My acceptance of things being bad is where my peace is at. It's not in changing the bad things to make me feel better. Granted, we all don't like bad things, but that's life. So being in harmony, being content is the result of the harmony, I think, in the first verse, in the first stanza. Just interrupt me when you have something. 
when man interferes, it creates an imbalance. When I interfere with my life, I create an imbalance. If we break this down to just us, we're talking about our life as being the whole. If I'm in harmony in my life, then I am content with the way things are. If I start interfering in my life, what happens? I screw the whole thing up. It does get out of balance. Things become extinct in my life when I forget compassionate living. When I start with the isms, the I, self, and me, what happens? I start destroying my life. I don't have to drink to destroy my life. doesn't take me getting active in my addiction to destroy my life. All it takes is a little bit of selfishness. Brian? What comes to mind for me is I've always heard others share that whatever I put in front of my recovery, I, I stand a very good chance of losing. And and whether that's my family or work or anything, and without this stuff, I'm lost. I'm adrift without a freaking rudder. And that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. Oscar? Yeah, and uh, this first, he says, by realizing the one, <clears throat> and the one is everything, right? <laughs> everything now is one thing. And when I'm a part of this, there is no more self. Because when there is a self, I will see that there is a one. So then there are two. So I have to get rid of this self, which is my thinking mind. And in my case, also very negative thinking mind and judging mind. But when I realize to be my part of one, it's not important what I think or it doesn't have any impact. It's still there sometimes, but it doesn't have any impact. So you got I try to realize to get completely aligned with this moment and then I know I am okay. And there's no, but as soon as mind comes in, the thinking mind comes in and starts bubbling that it wants something else or it needs something or something isn't good or something is very good and I should hold it. Or, and then I slowly start, my mind slowly starts to get on the track, which brings me always to the moment that I don't want to be here. And when I don't want to be here, I'm going to use drugs or I'm going to drink alcohol or go do crazy things. So it's very small difference, but it's for me impossible to be in this now in the one all the time. But I, thanks to recovery, I now acknowledge it. And when my mind goes starting, I, I know, okay, get back. And it really helps a lot. By re- realizing the one heaven becomes clear. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Thanks. Hey, hey Oscar, when, when I realized that all spirituality, as far as I can tell, is pointing us to the moment, Every all these practices are, I think, their goal, so to speak, is to make us aware of the moment, the present moment. If God is love, when can you show compassion to someone? You can only do that right now. You can't do that in the future. You can only do that in this moment. And I'm with you. All of these practices are bringing us to the moment. We can only accept the way things are right now in this moment. It's the only thing we have. That's it. That is it. And that is the one. It's the same. Yes. 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 I'm there with you. Yes. 
And it's just as simple as that, not all the other theological things and all the other stuff that we add to the spirituality sometimes. I, I finally just had no use for any of those things. I, I'm concerned with this moment, and I believe that this moment's going to continue, and my life is better when I'm in this moment. And I get here by even if I'm afraid in this moment, I'm not afraid for what's going on right now. It's usually something that's going to happen in the future, or I'm regretting something that's happened in the past. I'm not in the moment if I'm in fear for the most part. It's really not the fear we're talking about, not, not the common, we're, we're talking about the fears we carry. We're talking about our, our resentments and all of those things. Oscar. Yeah, I do practice with this like when i'm in this negative mood and i have these fears or something like that i try to reduce it to the moment and let the fear be there in this moment without all the thoughts in it with it and that's really also acknowledging that it's there now is also overwhelming it's really then you really feel the energy of fear and you feel it i feel it running through my body and my head and my face and uh, like energy uh, as part of now, just follow it now. And then that's for me a really a very, very nice way of letting go. It dissipates, doesn't it? It just goes away. Yeah. It does for me. If if I'll sit with it for a moment and drop all those other things that, that we attach to it. Blue. One of the commentators that notes that I read on this page was talking about how oneness or the Tao dwells in the noble. It, it dwells in the humble. And I think that's, it's got me thinking, okay, if, when it relates to fear, the Tao dwells in the fear. How can I connect with the Tao? How in my fear can I connect with the Tao? How, can I, how in my hate can I connect with love? Love dwells within hate. How can I find it? Maybe I hate someone because of, they harm someone I love. How do I take that love that's in the Tao? How do I find that that love that's in hate? How do I find that love that's in fear? So that's what I'm thinking about today. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Lou. If I'm angry, I just sit with it. I'm angry about whatever. And I give myself a minute to be angry, and it just goes away when it used to hang around all afternoon. If I have the presence of mind to bring it to the moment. Now, my resentments are a little different. Those are things I've held for a while, and I usually have to take other action than just the moment for them. I'll have to pray for the person that I resent, even though, quite honestly, I don't believe my prayers do anything. I don't believe me praying for you to have a great day makes you have a great day. But what I believe happens is I'm surrendering to you having a great day. <laughs> I'm saying I'm not going to fight them having a great day. I don't want that. man. I'm letting go of that. And it in turn helps me to have a better moment. I think that's really how it works. And the more I stay with that on a daily basis and I keep praying for them every day, I'd pray for them the things that I would pray for myself. And there's other tools we can use, but this is just one. Then I realize eventually I don't think about that person anymore. And I've let that go and it doesn't take up space in my head. I was reminded of something else, Oscar, when you were talking. I am not those fears. I am not all those thoughts. I am not 
that anger. That anger is no different than any other thought that I have. My feelings are no different than my thoughts. I don't think either one or me. I'm what's behind all of that. I am not, take whatever your occupation is, and if you describe you, all these things, is that really you? I mean, you might have a lot of pride in having some abilities, but even those abilities, are they really the real you? Or are you what's behind all those things? Are you what's under that? Are you what's noticing all of that? And if I put all of that in the category with thoughts that, let's say in meditation, I learn to let thoughts pass on by, not to dig into those thoughts and let them take me off. I learn with time to look through like traffic. I can look on the other side of the traffic or I can take every car that comes by and just follow them and not even be aware of what's on the other side of the road. Or I can focus on what's on the other side and just let those cars just pass on through. And that's what meditation helps me with. And then I realized, oh, these feelings are just like that. I can let them pass on through too. I don't have to buy into that. I don't have to buy into all of that. I can just let it all pass. And for me, that's the place of contentment is not getting carried away by anything, which trust me, I can see, like Oscar said again, I can see that. I'm not living in that, but I can see it. And I do see it in some moments of the day, but, and I think eventually the more we practice this, that is the practice walking in that in more moments and more moments. And I think that's compassionate living because when we're not concerned about ourselves and making ourselves look good and feel good, I'm automatically legitimately concerned about you. It happens without trying. Yes, that's good. Thank you. Okay. The third stanza. The master views the parts with compassion. Is this the first time we've seen compassion in this verse? Why in the world would the master view with compassion? Because he understands the hope. His constant practice is humility. He doesn't glitter like a jewel, but lets himself be shaped by the Tao. As rugged and common as stone, lets himself be shaped. Is that not what love does for us? When I have a resentment against someone and I choose, let's go back to my example with prayer, and I pray for them instead of cuss them, am I not allowing myself to be shaped? That's the shaping. It's the way I see it. When I choose love over fear, when I choose when someone pulls out in front of me going slow to leave my car on the the furthest distance cruise control rather than bumping it down to one so I can ride, and ride it right on their ass. For me, that's compassionate living. This is about stuff that's practical. This is not pie in the sky. This is about how can I make this moment more content? And I am much more content doing that than now the first few times it was difficult, but then it gets easier. And, and before long, I don't even think about it. It doesn't take up any space in my head anymore as that practice grows and continues. But anytime I choose compassion over fear, because when I act on my fear, it never brings me contentment. Never, ever does it give me what I want it to give me. If I give up that fight, say, so how can I be helpful? How can, you know, if I'm around a big, my, a lot of family and I'm maybe, I don't want to be there for a family event or something. What do, what do I do? I go play with the kids or I start cleaning up dishes or I do something helpful. I say, how can I be helpful right now? Um, had some friends in recovery. It was their first Christmas. First Thanksgiving, Christmas, how am I not going to drink? They're all drinking. So stay only as long as you as you have to. 
if you're too antsy, leave anyway. But if it's a situation you're hearing the same story for a second or third time at a higher decibel, just get up and start cleaning up or go play with the kids. Do something helpful. How? Just ask, how can I be helpful? And for me, that's always the solution. If, I, if we have a sickness in the family and let's say we've got everyone at the hospital, one of those situations, my thought is, okay, how can I help the people that are here that are suffering along with me? What can I do for them? And I start focusing on them and then I feel better because I'm not focusing on myself. That for me is allowing myself to be shaped. And man, it's a lifelong process to be shaped. I don't think that ever stops, but it does get easier. And eventually you'll see things that used to really torque you, get you out of, really get you upset that you realize didn't even upset you anymore. And usually it's other people that notice that first, like the night step promises that we realize God's doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. It's usually after the fact that we realize that we've changed, but we have to allow ourselves to be shaped. I like the way Jonathan Starr said this. If you accept your part with humility, the glory of the universe will be yours. But no matter what, I always want my part to be more than it is. I want to always feel I'm more important than I really am. But it's just important that we find our part. It's not important what that part is. In my thinking, it's just that we allow ourselves to be shaped into our part. Because we're all part of this oneness, all part of this body. And every cell in your body, every cell has a purpose. Brian? I was just <clears throat> I was thinking about our discussions about the, the uncarved block that comes up in other verses and how that's described. That's what was coming up. I'm surprised it's not in here in, the, in this verse. I'm sure there's a reason for it. But it's saying the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Except here they're carved stone instead of yeah. block of wood. Block of wood, yeah. You know, the, the block does not have any control over what it's made. What it's uh, made into, does it? The block's just a block. The stone is just a stone, regardless of if it's a jewel or just a common rock. It has no control over how it's used or if it's ever used. That's that surrender, that letting go, that willingness. This is the. The third month, this is March 2nd. And in recovery or in AA, we talk about the third step in the third month. So turning our will and our life over to the care of this power that we don't understand or just letting it go to what is, really. That's what this is talking about. Am I able to be shaped? That's the real question. Am I willing? And the humility comes from knowing that you're not the one that's doing the shaping. Yeah, I'm just a block. I had no control over this beautiful sculpture that was made. Oh, you did so good on this. I was just a block. That's humility. Buddy, I like the end here. And the Jeff Pepper, it says, don't desire to be precious like jade, be common like rock. Yes. And I don't necessarily think that, I don't think there's anything wrong with being jade or being a diamond or being a rock. But I think the problem is in the desire. It is. If you're jade, you're desiring to be desiring to be a diamond and you're obsessed over it. That's where the problem comes in. Well, we're not content. That's mm-hmm. back to the first stanza. Yeah. That's our warning sign, really, don't you think? That if I'm not content with life right now, why is it that I'm not content? And taking a look back at that's what my sponsor was a lot of help with me on the four steps. 
was really identifying the fears that were really there because all of my fourth step on my inventory were products of fear. Every one of them, every one of my resentments was because I was afraid of something. He helped me drill down to what was underneath those fears, underneath those actions and defects and what fears were there. And it normally comes back for me, just two basic fears. Most people, it's, it's just a fear or two, not that much. Mine I've mentioned before is a fear of not pleasing people and a fear of financial insecurity are the two that pop up for me. The first one more than the latter, but the second one's I've gotten better with. But still, there's times I can go through in my head, oh yeah, I have this and I have that that I can sell. I, I go and I do that financial inventory and I say, wait a minute, that's my fear. That's how taking me out of the moment too. None of that has to do with where I am right now. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. It's all about allowing ourselves to be shaped, isn't it? And that's where our contentment comes from. So other comments, guys? Oscar. Yeah, I feel like, or I think we, I think everybody has this, but uh, I talk from my own experiences that I have this kind of urge or need to be special or be more of more worth, whatever it means, to other people. So there is a kind of, a, okay, very fast judgment of everybody. Every, in every room I come, and then I decide, okay, this is my position, and then I try to climb the ladder because I want to be more special. So even when I read these sentences over a gem and a stone, something in my mind says, you're better off being a gem. I don't know what this is. I don't know. This is probably fear of not being good enough, or at least it relates or it's one coin with two sides, the fear and the need to be special or to be found special or what people think about me. They don't think stupid things about me, but nice things. I don't know why it's also important. And I really have to let go of this every day and during the day also, because it's, it's such a deep habit. But then when I let it go and it's then then there is complete equalness with everybody also with people who i would despise for their actions or have any kind of judgment about so there's something with this world of judgment where everything goes wrong in judgments yeah thanks oscar when i start judging i am no longer the uncarved block because I've started to take control again, right? And I'm not allowing myself to be shaped. And for me, that's the real issue is anytime that I judge, anytime that I insert myself from a place of fear, I am not allowing myself to be shaped. And at that moment is when I feel the most discontent. Because if I'm content, I'm not judging. If I'm accepting, I'm not judging. Because when I'm judging, I'm dividing. and I'm inviting attack when I judge because in a way I'm defending because I'm either saying I'm better than you or I'm not as good as you. Yeah. Thank you. All goes back to allowing ourselves to be shaped. Doesn't it? Scotty. Hey everybody. Great. Uh, great stuff today. So far. You were thinking a lot about allowing myself to be shaped and how that ties in for me with the master views, the parts with compassion. So I have all these labels that I tie to myself. How often do I introduce myself? Hi, I'm Scotty. I'm an alcoholic. And then I'm a father. I'm a, 
husband, I'm a business owner, an American, all these other labels that like I identify myself with. And then there's all the internal things, my fears, my likes, my dislikes, what gives me peace, what distracts me. And all that stuff ties into like my character defects. And when I came into recovery, I, I immediately clicked with when Bill Wilson talks about the idea of becoming the hole in the donut, like what's going to happen to me? I'm going to lose my identity because at the end of my drinking, that was it. I wasn't going to give up the one thing I had left. That was booze. And I was afraid of becoming something I didn't know or losing what I thought I already was. But what I found out here is that I get to be shaped if I make a decision to turn my will and my life over to something that I don't understand. If I'm willing to let go of the illusion of what I think I am and who I think I am and let go of those labels that I carry around with me and let go of the fears that I let dictate my life, then I get to find out about the real me, about what I really am. Because the truth is none of those parts identify the real me. If I can understand the whole, if I can understand everything else put together is a completely different picture than focusing on each individual part of who I think I am. And then being shaped, I don't glitter like a jewel, can mean that I don't try to put on illusion of something that I'm better than I'm not, or even some walking around because a long time, I really hated myself. I was a piece of shit. And that's the same thing, carrying around a false illusion, portraying to other people that I suck, because uh, that's what I told myself. If I let the Tao shape me or love or you know, the God of my understanding shape me and dictate my behavior, then I get to find out a whole new set of circumstances that I get to live through without having to decide what I like and what I don't like. The freedom to find out is a whole new experience for me. So thanks, everybody, for being here today. Hey, Scotty, I was thinking about something when you were talking. All these things we thought were important prior to our addiction, the further in our addiction we went, the more we let go of all those things till we were, or I can't speak for you, but I was just a drunk. Nothing else mattered. I had allowed alcohol to shape me, in other words. Now, we know alcohol is a symptom, and a lot of times I, it would, it's out of, of what's really there. It's the shadow. Now, I can allow compassion because it says when the master knows the whole, he sees everything in compassion sees the parts, all the parts of the compassion because he understands the whole. So we commit this through learning to a compassionate way of living. Then now we can allow compassion to shape us. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, we can allow compassion now to shape us where we couldn't before. And it doesn't, hey, when compassion shapes us, it doesn't matter if we're glittering or not. <laughs> it doesn't matter what we're shaped into because we're content regardless that's why we can be content when bad things are happening. We can be, we can accept the unacceptable. And on the flip of that, for me, which is even more dangerous than accepting the unacceptable is accepting great success can be more damaging to me than it is having great loss. It's about learning to accept the moment as it is right now and allow ourselves to be shaped. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Scott. Any other comments, guys? Good conversation today. Y'all have a great week, and hopefully we'll see y'all next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars, 
Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.